0: Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise God. Greetings in Jesus' mighty name. What a joy to be worshipping together in the presence of God again. And uh, God is so good, No, I think all through the season, the last two, two and a half years, God has kept all of us safe in His presence and we could worship Him and come together. This morning I want to greet all of you, and as um, you know, uh, there are people that I'm some of, some people I'm meeting for the first time, others that have been worshiping with us. Uh, I want to share together this morning from the Math- Gospel of Matthew and chapter 16 and verse 18, and this is what I want to begin with: Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 18. The Bible says, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail." against this. God is unrepentant about his plan for his church. When God thinks about his plan, just like God is unrepentant about his plan for a family. You know, when God brought Adam and Eve together, he blessed them and he made them a family. And we know all around the world there are many families that that have gone through struggles and challenges and uh, some have broken down and some have gone through difficult seasons. But in spite of all of that, God hasn't changed his mind about his commitment for his plan for a family. God blessed the family. He blessed Adam and Eve, and he blessed them, and he and he said, Be fruitful and multiply. And you know through the years that not every single family worked out well. In the same way, when you look in the Word of God, God has blessed the church. God has said, this is my family, this is my people, this is the avenue through which God is saying, I want to make the church a blessing to the nations. And everyone that has been in church for long enough, you know that there are different kinds of churches and different uh, methodologies that churches use and some larger and some smaller and and then, you know, you know, uh, we think suddenly that some method is better than the other. Some people have asked me, are large churches more successful than the smaller ones? I said, no, obedient churches are more successful than the disobedient ones. We, it's not in the large or in the small, really. God uses all kinds of churches, large or small. You know, what God wants to do is that God has a design, and that design is not just one single design. Can you say Amen. God doesn't work through any one single design. He uses all kinds of people, all kinds of churches, all kinds of groups. And we see and hear in some place or the other, somewhere we hear that some church did not do well and it broke down. And, and we hear in some other place that maybe some pastor fell in sin or some leader didn't do well. And suddenly in our heart we begin to think, oh then I can't believe in this anymore. Because we begin to think in our heart that only systems that have not failed, that have a 100% success track record, God could work only through that, we might think in our heart. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't work in systems and peoples that have only 100% success track records. God works with His plan. Hallelujah. God works with His people The reason God works with you and me is not because we are 100% perfect or we've got it all right. God works with you and me because God wants to work with you and me. Hallelujah. God looks at you and says, this is someone I want to work with. Now some of us, we think in our heart, oh, I'm not perfect and how can I stand before people and minister? Or I am not faultless. You know, you know, and therefore I got to step back from serving God. Or, you know, you think in your heart. But, you know, that is not standing up to God's qualification. The reason why we serve is because primarily God has called us. Hallelujah. The reason why we get married is because God has instituted marriage. God has planned marriage. God wants to work through that. And that is why, even though it may go through some challenges, God is not going to change his mind. Can we hear an amen? So, in the same way, God is not going to be repentant about his church. God's not repenting about his call on the church. And God is saying, I want the church to grow. I want the church to grow as a body. Now, anything that is healthy will grow. Anything that is healthy will grow. Now some of you may uh, understand the fact that everyone doesn't grow to the same size. Some of you would be taller, some of you would be shorter, but nevertheless you did grow. You grew to an extent because, not because one part of your body grew. You know, the whole body doesn't grow because the brain decides, okay, I'm going to cause it to grow. Every, the, the whole body grows because every cell in the body knew and decided that that cell has to grow. You know, just imagine if some part of your body decides to grow big by itself. I was sharing the, in the morning service, I was, saying, I was saying the only part of our body that decides to grow big by itself is our belly. You know, that's the part that just refuses to listen to us. Every other part stays in godly order except that belly, you know, just that paunch is going on. And you know, and I was thinking, even that God is so gracious. Imagine, you know, He has put it right in the center so that the center of gravity will hold everything together. Just imagine if your whole pot belly was in your right arm and you had to carry all that weight around on your right arm. God is good. How many of you say God is good? How many of you can now, you know, just look at yourself and say, I know I got a belly, but at least it's not my right arm, you know. uh, Alright, so God's got God's got a plan. It may not be the perfect one, and there is no perfect plan. God didn't do that in the scriptures. There is no perfect church, no perfect plan. But God nevertheless is unrepentant about his plan. He wants us to grow. And the church will not grow unless every cell. Every person, every individual so grows. So the, the 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 wisdom of God in the church growing is in every one of us personally, individually growing. The whole body fitted together. The whole body growing together. The whole body working together. If anything has to grow, it cannot grow alone. And the and that is why God wants it to grow together. Acts two and verse forty-six. The Bible says in Acts two forty six, day by day. Continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. I want you to look at the scripture. Continuing with, how? How are they continuing? With one mind, where? In the temple, this is the Jewish temple that the Bible is talking about. So they gathered, they got saved, and then they started gathering in the the Jewish temple, day after day, with one mind. And they were worshipping there. And then it says, and breaking bread from house to house. When you look in the scripture, you see that they, they gathered in two places. One, a corporate gathering in the temple where they continued in one mind worshipping God. And then there was a, a small group gathering from house to house where they broke bread and they ate their meals together. And they were with gladness and sincerity of heart. God doesn't work with only one model. He doesn't work with only one corporate, everybody gathering together model. He has different models. Hallelujah. He has the large gathering, the church coming together. We see that in the scriptures, the church came together and they prayed and all of that. But we also see they met house to house. Can you say that after me? House to house. That's part of God's church. Not only did they meet house to house, God has also made the individual small family unit. A husband, wife and children. God has made you the the local church in your house. Where the husband of the home has to be the pastor of his family. The mother of the home has to be co-pastoring the family and raising the children in the ways of God. God is unrepentant. How many of you have a perfect family? Can I see your hands here? Perfect family. Flawless, faultless. How many of you have a perfect father in the house? All right. Other than me, I'm not sure anybody else. Oh, he's all right. He's raised his hand. All right. He, 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 you know, he's saying he's got a perfect father. But guess what? There is no family that has a perfect father and perfect... You know, I love the way my, when, when my daughter was a little girl. You know, she, was, she came crying one day. And so wondering why she's crying. And she was so upset that, uh, if I remember correctly... Uh, she wanted to. She was so upset that her mother married me. She wanted to marry me. So, you know, that's, uh Well, that makes a, that makes a father feel good. You know, when your daughter wanted to marry you, why did you marry her? All right, but now they're grown up. I don't know if she feels the same, but uh, when they grow up, uh, you know. But you see, God's not repenting for the family. God's not repenting for the church. God's not repenting because he's taken ordinary people with ordinary abilities and he's saying now I want to work with you. So God plans for the continual gathering together in the temple and house to house where they were having meals together, gladness of heart and sincerity. And they prayed and this is where the Holy Spirit begins to work with them. Acts chapter 12 and verse 12, Peter was arrested and put in prison when he was in prison The church gathered in Mary's house and began to pray. That's John Mark's mother. They came together and they prayed. Because John Mark and his mother opened their home, that's why the church could gather there for prayer. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to open your home? If you don't, maybe someday God would cause some people to break the roof of your home and bring the paralytic man down, you know? Someone, I heard a beautiful fundraising announcement one day. Yes, this preacher said like this, you know, how many of you are excited Jesus healed that paralyzed man? And so they said, yeah. And he said, how many of you know that, that they broke somebody's roof? And uh, nobody had a collection to fix that roof after that. (laughs) Alright, the heel guy got up, take up your mat, go home. He went home. Uh, The people had the nice meeting, they went home. Jesus said, thank you, God bless you. Like they say, you know, welcome to Uti, glad to meet you. And walked away, you know, Jesus did that. And here is this guy with his roof that is opened up. Someone said it was Peter's mother-in-law's house. And maybe that's why, you know, she was... uh, Someone said, Jill, you know, Peter was upset with Jesus only for one thing, for praying for his mother-in-law's healing for some reason. I don't know. I didn't say that. That was the, some preacher who said that. All right. Okay. So, you know, Jesus is, wants to work with the church. He wants to work with the house. He wants to work with the people. And blessed are the people that are willing to open that house for allowing somebody to come in, for people, for the crowds to be there, for them to grow together, and for the sick man to come in and for him to be healed. The Lord says in, in Hebrews and in chapter ten and verse twenty five, the Bible says, not abandoning our meeting together Say that after me, please, not abandoning our meeting together or in that it says not forsaking our own assembling together. The Lord is warning and telling the church, you know, saying, I don't want you to forsake the gathering together, especially in this pandemic times. People have gotten used to staying at home or staying away or, you know, before pandemic times, church, uh, mythological studies used to say at any given time, 30% of the church is not in church. Every different Sunday, you know, they rotate. Some people go, some people are not there. All 30% of people in, in a given church is not there. But after the pandemics, we found out that a good 40% of the church has not come back to church. A good 40% of the 70%, you know, has not come back to church because they got used to online or they got. And when, when people worship God, it's great. We have the technology to bring the church and we thank God for the two and a half years. We could stream the services week by week. We didn't miss one week, did we? By God's grace, not one week, praise God for the media team that made it happen. And for all the the pastors and the leaders that found time to preach and minister. uh, I remember when they declared the pandemic, the the moment we heard it in the news, we were at home, I think some of us, we said, call the team together. Let's record before it's 12 o'clock in the night. Because the next morning... It was the, the place was going for a shutdown. We finished shooting uh, somewhere midnight or after that. We, that's just how we did it. And the reason we were able to do it, I praise God for technology and for people. But God is saying, in spite of all that, God is praising God for people who long to come together as a family. God is saying, don't abandon our meeting together. And He says, as some are in the habit of doing. If you're in the habit of doing people are, some of, some people get have got comfortable to stay at home and and uh, watch the service online while we're lying down in bed. Now, if you're not well that's great. Now, you might say but I'm growing in the Lord. I'm hearing the word. That's true. You're growing in the Lord. You're hearing the word. But God's not just called you to grow in the Lord for nothing. He's called for you to grow in the Lord so that now you can carry someone else's burden. Amen. God wants us to do the one one another life. He doesn't want us to grow alone without a reason. He wants us to do the one another life. Not abandoning our meeting together. You see, the church is is, uh, evolving. There are different methods and all of that. And God loves the small group gatherings. God loves the church to gather as a small community. And God wants every born again believer to be part of of a home group, or a carousel, or a small group gathering. What is a carousel? It's a place where about, say, 3 to 15 people come together. They gather together in a carousel, carousel leader's home, or in an open space, or in a mall, or some place, where they come together, and they grow together. They fellowship together. They, they have a meal together. Maybe they they break bread together, do different things together. And that's a place where you can have discussions. That's a place where you can... Talk about. You can share some of the challenges. There are people who pray for you. All kinds of different things happen in that place. This is a place where there is opportunity. The main goal is to edify the believer and to grow the believer to a place where they can love Jesus. And for you to be a family on a smaller level. Through the carousel, we can challenge the people to share the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Jesus believes in small groups. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18 And verse 20 says like this, where two or three are gathered together, I am there in their midst. What is the Lord saying? The Lord is attesting the fact that He not only visits large gatherings and congregations. God is saying, if two or three of you would also gather, the Lord is saying, I'd love to be in your midst. You know, I was just thinking, imagine if you had an opportunity to meet the president of your nation. In a large crowd where 10,000 people are gathered and you are one among them. You know, that would be great to see him from a distance. But imagine if you had the opportunity of going to dinner with the president. Just three of you. Just two, three of you having a meal with the president of the nation. You know, that would be far more enjoyable because you'd have an opportunity. In the same way, that is why Jesus is saying, I not only want to be there in the large gatherings, I want to be there with you. And this is also why God wants you and me to have family prayer. God is saying, in the family gathering, the church unit that gathers together, God is saying, the husband, wife and children, when you gather together, and you're saying, God, we want to worship you, God is saying, I want to come in the midst of that, hallelujah. And he said two or three, because he knew that even if a husband and wife will come together, and they agree touching anything, God is saying, I believe in that. God is saying, if two friends come together, two people in need come together, and you're saying, I don't, I don't know anybody, I don't have anybody, maybe I know only one person, if you'd come together, and God would say, I would come in the midst of that. I want to bless that. So, when the Bible talks about this, when it talks about, you know the context of Hebrews 10.25, where we say, not abandoning or not forsaking the gathering together, that's Hebrews 10.25, but what does Hebrews 10.24 say? hebrews 10:24 qualifies 25 24 says like this and let us consider how to stimulate or encourage one another to in love and good deeds shall we let's you know let us show how we can encourage one another or stimulate one another god is not only calling us that we might you know, how is it he's saying, don't abandon the fellowship? Why? Because he's saying, when we gather in fellowship, there is a one another life that we are doing. Hallelujah. There's a one another life that we are doing. Imagine as the husband, the head of my home, if the only thing that I care about is how the rest of the family can serve me, how I can be taken care of, my food can be taken care of, Everything. It's, if it's all about me, that's not family, that's not doing life together. God wants us to be part of the church, not only because what can I get from the church, God wants us to be part of the church because He wants us to be an encouragement to someone else. Hallelujah. And you know that someone else in that church doesn't look like you, doesn't talk like you, doesn't have the same taste like you, you know, doesn't like, uh, you know, uh, doesn't like the same things you like. Maybe, uh, you, you know, doesn't like the way things are, wants to be in a clean, a clean space and, and, you know, doesn't want to be in a place that's not dirty. But guess what? Jesus, if He had to stay in a clean space, He would have stayed in glory. Hallelujah. You know, He left His glory and came down. He came among us. The Bible, the Bible says the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Hallelujah. He left the comfort of his home. Many of us like the comfort of our home. Oh, you know, I like my space. I like my place. And if Jesus had to do that, you and I wouldn't be saved. If you and I would stay in the comfort of our home, the others cannot be encouraged. The others cannot be blessed and helped and built up. And God is saying, I love the small group. I love the gathering together of the saints. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore... Encourage one another. Can you say that loud? Encourage one another. Encourage one another and build one another up. By sitting in front of a TV screen alone, worshiping God on a Sunday service, we are not building someone else. Can I hear an amen? God wants us to build one another. He wants us to help one another. He wants us to encourage one another. He wants us to pray for. He wants us to stand by. This is the life God is calling us for. And we can't do it by just sitting behind a screen. God wants us to get out there and He wants us to be a community that every day in the temple they gathered, they prayed, bearing one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2 says. Bearing one another's burdens. You know what that means? It means when we are part of a church or a, or a small group, it means that there's going to come a time where we're going to have to bear someone else's burden, which means their challenge becomes ours. And, the, and, and some of you would be say, Pastor, we have enough burdens of our own. We don't want anyone else's burdens. Guess what? You're not supposed to be bearing your burden alone. Someone else is supposed to help you bear your burden while you help someone else help, you know, carry their burden. Amen. Everybody say, bearing each other's burdens. This is what God's called us for. I thank God for the people that stand with us and are praying. As, you, as we know as a church, we have gone now, we have planted a church, a new pioneering work into Dubai, we have planted a church plant there. And sometimes, you know, even though in Dubai we have so many friends, I've got to tell you, sometimes it gets lonely. It gets lonely there where you have so many and you're just not sure who to go to. And I thank God for the church that prays. I thank God for the church that stands there and says, Pastor, we're, we're standing with you, we're there. You know what you're doing? You're bearing my burden. Just as much as I, I am there praying for you, I'm not here. There are, now there are other pastors that are leading the work, and Pastor Jijo, and uh, Pastor Tibby, and Pastor Kavita, and many others are standing up front and serving the church. And, and, and as mine, but yet we are praying, we're standing. And, and, you know, there are people that have come alongside and said, Pastor, how can we stand with you in the work there in Dubai? And I said, you know, even to hear that his music, what are you doing? Bearing my burden. You're standing with us. And when I'm there and I'm calling some of you all up out, praying for some of you all, doing that. what am I doing? I'm bearing your burden. Everybody say after me, one another's burden. That's the family of God. And that's what God wants to do. God has not designed any of you to be an island. Nowhere in my Bible do I see the Bible calling anybody to work only in a location where you feel very comfortable. You know why? If that was the case, then you wouldn't be able to be part of your own family. How many of you know in marriage, it gets a little uncomfortable sometimes? Yeah? So if you had to work by that, then you'd say, I want out. But God says No. I want you to work with this family. God's not called you and me to be an island. God's called us not to abandon this. See, J.V. Taylor said like this, The essential unit in which the church exists must be small enough to enable all its members to find each other in mutual awareness. Which means the crowd must be small enough to know one another, must be small enough to be able to talk to one another, must be small enough to be able to pray for one another. That is why Jesus said if two or three would gather. He was encouraging, if two or three would come together, God saying, I promise you I will be there. I promise you I will stand with you. I promise you. See, I I thank God for the large gatherings in the temple continually they met. But I also thank God that from house to house, they broke bread together. You see that each one, the essential unit in which the church exists must be small enough to enable all its members to find each other in mutual awareness, yet large enough for them to be an embodiment of the life of the kingdom, which is a life of restored humanness in action, which means it must be large enough. So that we'll be in a place that we might get uncomfortable with some people. That they, that they, we may say, oh, that's uncomfortable. And yet God would say, don't, don't say, I want out. Don't walk away from there. Ask, Lord, in the midst of this person's need who's making us uncomfortable, or maybe it's a difficult character or a difficult personality in the midst of, Lord, how do I serve them? Now you might say, well, we've got to be careful whom we're working with. Then Jesus said, if he had, Jesus would say that about us, the Bible says, while we were yet enemies of the cross, if, he, if we've got to be careful who we're working with, Jesus worked with his enemies. He worked with us and he said that he wanted to come down, left his glory and came down to live and work with us. The early church, right from the beginning was met in homes, they gathered together in homes, and, and the church is at the home, that gather, the church that gathers in Philemon's home, and the church that gathers in Aquila and Priscilla's home, and the church that gathers... Guess what? God believes in the church that gathers in your home. Do you understand what I'm saying? God believes in that church. But you may say, Oh, but I don't know how to take care of that church. No, no, no. God's saying, I will equip you. What's the job of a pastor? To equip the saints for works of ministry. But we will get uncomfortable. We will, not, we will not be easy. I remember when some of you heard me share that story. The day we built our home over here. And we were dedicating. I remember one of the pastors came home and was dedicating our home. And, and my kids and my, my wife's sister's kids and all of them together, all same age group, all of them were eating chocolate. And they were coming down the staircase rubbing the chocolate on the wall. And I saw it going down. And I'm going. And I'm calculating. Okay, how much did I pay for the painting? <laughs> painting that, this whole thing, costs like, this. and I'm saying, la la la, you know, just enjoying themselves and, and drawing, you using chocolate, Nestle chocolate, designer walls. And when I saw that, I looked at it and I'm thinking to myself, I actually did, I sat down, I'm I mean, standing there, looking at that, swallowing, I'm thinking to myself, I'd rather have children in the home than have a clean home with no kids. I'd rather have a dirty home Messed up home with laughter and fun. And when I see the children grow up together, they've done life together. Now they're on, on, on the youth group together. And, and they've led one another to the Lord. And, and they've prayed for one another. They call each other. They stand. Hey, guess what? All that took was a dirty wall. Forget about the dirty wall. We can get it washed. Let's do the one another life. Amen. Amen. Let's care for one another. Let's stand together. God wants it. He's addressed it to the church. It was not until the end of the third century when churches organized into buildings like this. Until then, they gathered in the homes. And God wants to continue to do that. Many people are becoming lonely because they don't have community. And the more we're becoming private people, the more we're becoming, you know, especially when the more we're becoming wealthy, we're becoming more private. The more we're becoming wealthy, the more we're trying to take care of our own lives. And we don't want anybody in our space. But you go among the poor. I remember we, we had gone on a medical mission to some of the mountains in Tamil Nadu one day. And, went up, and we spent the night on top of a mountain. We, we stayed in a small hamlet. A small little place. And so we were, if I'm not wrong, we were... Uh, We were seven men and I think about four women, all medical doctors as a team. And we were carrying flour and millet and medical equipment and all of that. And and we drove till one place and from there we had to carry this thing and we went up the mountain. We reached over there and they gave us a house to stay in. House is a hut. Guess what? The entire family cleared the house out for us. They moved out and they let us move in. Why let us move in? They put one sari across in between. And the seven men could sleep on this side with the chicken and the goat. Talk about sanitization. And then they let the women sleep on the other side of the sari. And I was thinking in my heart, what what a loving heart that they would just empty their home for others to sleep. Because the doctors have come in to help with the community. You know, people that are not so wealthy, they just know how to do it so well. Because... Because they just know how to love. They have community. And many people that the, you get far wealthier, that you've got a private life, you've got a private zone, all of that, but we just become lonely. And, and then we wonder, why is there no one for me? Why, why, why didn't pastor call me and pray for me and all that? God's planned that for the whole community to encourage one another, stand with one another. Social indicators showing people are getting lonely. And God wants us to move away from that. I want the media team to show a quick video, small testimonies from our church, if you would throw that up, uh, a small uh, video about our carousels, and let's see what they have to say. So, I've been part of a castle for more than a year now. For a year now. It's been almost two years now. For about a year. We came into the castle because we were coming out of a season of a lot of uncertainty and transitions, and we desperately needed Christian fellowship. the <laughs> castle. I had been through a lot of challenges and was in pain. I want to rediscover my foundations in Christ and I knew the best way to do it was in a fellowship. That was a lot of fun to begin with in the castle. One of the things I really enjoyed about the cell was the way um, our cell leader conducted it. Uh, she had this way of making others comfortable. As a family, when we started attending the care cell, we got the opportunity to connect with other families. We got to discuss the word with each other, get their perspectives. We also got to pray for each other, to share life together, and also celebrate our life events. And it's been a big blessing for us as a family. But with the witness and testimonies of many who had traveled in the same path as me. It helped me a lot in my healing and realizing I wasn't alone. It also helped me rediscover the foundation of my identity in Christ. And God also gave me the grace to help my facility and I thank God for that. I got to lead worship, I got to pray for other people and that's been such a blessing. And I was able to read the word better. There were people in the castle who would comfort me, who would send scriptures. I particularly remember how the carousel prayers are what strengthened me as I was getting ready to deliver my baby. I think you should join a castle because there is a room to enjoy community within the church. A community of people who have a passion for Christ and what could be better than that. I think you don't realize how important fellowship is until uh, you have it. If you've lost your identity, then God can help you find yours here. And if you are going through challenges, then we as a family can overcome it together in the care cares. Life is here. Destiny awaits you. To go ahead and join a carousel and no longer should you do life alone. Amen. Praise God. Wonderful, wonderful. Just a few testimonies from some, some very ordinary people that have found, uh, you know, the carousel a blessing in their life. What are the benefits of being part of a carousel? Firstly, you're seen. Sometimes when you're in a large gathering, you know, that's not a place that... That you get noticed, or you get seen, or, or where people get to know you, or, uh, you know, we thank God for the, uh, the, the ways we, we can still greet people as brother or sister, but you can get to be known closer by name, and where you can make friends, people can, you can get to know people, and this is a place where, where friends can not just be friends, friends can grow to become family, where you can stand with one another. And I and I thank God, even in small ways, how when COVID came, how as a family, many people were sick in the, in the earlier rounds of COVID, how the church went out of its way to just cook food and send it to people that were sick and in whatever way we knew and whatever people we knew that were not well, we could step out and make a difference. You make friends, you're connected to the family. When you're part of a carousel, you understand the word of God better. You begin to learn the word of God, discuss the word of God. You know, uh, the amount of Kessel material we've made and, and where people have come together and, and people discuss it. They share their thoughts, they share their ideas. In, in a larger gathering, that doesn't happen. It's usually the pastor speaking and the others listening. While in a Kessel sit- setting, you can share your thoughts. Others can give their input and the facilitator discusses the discussion. It's a, in a Kessel, you can be mentored. You can be taught God's word. You can be encouraged by a leader. New memories are being created every week. Maybe you just came into a carousel one week and you're really down. And somebody asked, you know, what can we pray for? You shared that need. And they are saying, come, let's pray for them together. Memories of joy, celebrating a birthday together, cutting that cake and some of our people bake some good cakes. You know, if you're in that carousel, uh, you know, blessed are you. Uh, Right, But the memories and, and uh, you know, you can have good times together. A time when you're going through a struggle, people can stand with you. It's an opportunity to ask questions, to learn about God's word more. It's a place where you can get support, get help. Maybe as a new family, you're know, coming into the city, a place where you can find people that can stand with you. It can be a family where you can be held accountable for your walk with God. Where you know the castle people, where if they're seeing you walking away from God or not walking in, in obedience to God's word, that they would have the freedom to come and challenge you to walk with God. Being part of a smaller community is, is so essential as much as it is being part of a larger church. You get to talk to people about what's going on in their lives and allow them to speak into your lives. It gives you, it gives you an opportunity to grow in the Lord, to love God, walk with God. It gives you an opportunity to serve one another, as God has called us. God's not only called us to do things correctly, God has called us to serve one another in love. And a is a place where you have an opportunity to host and even lead a carousel. This is a place when you lead a carousel, this is a place you get stretched, because you've got to open your home Or maybe you, maybe someone else opened their home, but you're going there and you're calling up people and finding out how they're doing. You're praying for them. It's an opportunity where your gifts can be put to work. You have an opportunity to become a blessing to somebody. An opportunity. Maybe in the church you don't have that opportunity, but in the care cell you'll have an opportunity to do that. You can grow to be a leader where you can use your gifts. Where people will come and, and learn, you know, you know, be able to learn God's word from you and stand knowing that you are there praying for them as a leader. You learn to grow as a leader to serve even when it hurts. You know, as a leader, it's not always, you don't only serve people that are very nice and very uh, good and very, you know, all the time easy. Sometimes we have to serve people that are not so easy. It's a place where you learn to partner with God. You're saying, God, I want to be a partner with you. It's a place where you're, you're helping someone fulfill the vision God has put on their heart. You're helping somebody walk with God. You're telling somebody you don't have to be alone. Maybe you, you stand with somebody and bless them when they're in their time of need. Being a carousel leader is a place where you have to learn to forgive. Because in a carousel, there are times you'd be offended. I remember one day, you know, I have many stories to do with the paint in our house. There are times where people have come and stayed in our homes. And when people come and stay in our homes, the little children are there, they have children. And one day I was, I had a pastor and family staying in our home, we were ministering to them, and they were spending, and then I walked, you know, I was walking past the room, I saw the pastor's son take the felt pen and was just drawing on the walls and going in circles and going in circles. And I looked at that and I began to tell myself, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I I actually did? I said, Lord, I thank you that I have pastors and leaders serving with us who are willing to go out into the nations and make a difference in people's lives. I can paint that wall again. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we can paint that wall again. Amen. You know, the things that... The things that you got to sacrifice, you could, they could fix that roof again. Amen? But just imagine the paralyzed man's family. How grateful they would be till the return of the Lord for somebody who allowed their roof to be broken. I believe it's time God wants some of you to allow your roof to be broken. For some other lives to be blessed and ministered to you. You will learn to forgive. You'll learn to be sacrificial. You'll learn to give without keeping account. And, and uh, just blessing. It will change your character as a leader. So much will happen in a carousel. And I'm not telling you carousel is perfect. All I'm telling you is carousel is God's plan. You'll never find a perfect place. No church, perfect church, no perfect place, no perfect carousel. But just imperfect people coming together uh, just to worship God. a perfect God. Amen. So, if any of you is not part of a care cell, I want to challenge you. Be part of a small group gathering in the church. There are many different kinds of care cells and I want to encourage you to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this precious day. We thank you that you are totally committed to your church, committed to the plan of God in the church, you're totally committed to all that you want to accomplish through the church. And I pray in Jesus' mighty name, Father, that you will fill the church with your grace and wisdom, even fill the hearts of the people with a heart to serve. Not, the Son of Man came to, uh, Lord, uh, he, he came to serve, not to be served. And I pray that, Lord, Lord, that you would also cause our hearts to be willing to serve people, open our homes to people, bless people. And that they might be encouraged. And we're so grateful. I commit the whole church. Let the church grow together. And let this be a one another church. Encouraging one another. Praying for one another. Sharing with one another. Building each other up. And fulfilling the mission that God has called us for. We give you the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wsc.in.